1: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk with Indiana University Professor Lynn Ostrom, the winner of the 2009 Nobel Prize for Economics. Economic Sciences. Economic Sciences. Economic Thank you. Sciences. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And our website is WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Lynn, welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks. Glad, Glad thanks to, to be with you. with you.
1: Thanks for being here with us today. I know you have a, a very busy schedule. I did want to start out by just reading a little bit about what the uh, the Academy said when they they uh, presented your award. It says Eleanor Ostrom has challenged the conventional wisdom that... Common property is poorly managed and should be either regulated by central authorities or privatized. Based on numerous studies of user-managed fish stocks, pastures, woods, lakes, and groundwater basins, Ostrom concludes that the outcomes are more often than not better than predicted by standard theory. So that will give our listeners maybe a little bit of background on what you've been studying and what they gave you the the honor for. How did you get interested in in that topic?
2: Well, I was born and raised in Los Angeles and we're right next to the ocean. And if you have a groundwater basin under a big city and you pump water up, the salt water comes in. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know I was studying a common pool resource when I did my dissertation in the 60s. Um, I defended in 65 uh, and Garrett Hardin's famous article on the tragedy of the mm-hmm. commons was published in 68. and So I watched 700 water producers struggle with how to cope with a difficult problem of the commons and they did over time come up with very interesting ways of managing it. Um, Bill Bloomquist, who teaches up at IUPUI is a, a dean up there. Uh, went back in the 80s and found these sustainable. And right now, a, a graduate student from IU is doing a third trip and looking now over 60 years uh, at LA River uh, at the groundwater basins, and he's finding two basins that are very successful over that long a period of time, and two that are not quite so successful. So we 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 started in not knowing that we were studying something that people would predict was impossible for people (laughs) to solve. And uh, so when the impossibility article came out, I was a little skeptical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to me because, you know, the tragedy of the commons is kind of a term that people have, have, have heard. Tossed around. Right, mm-hmm. tossed around over time and then your work basically says, well, this isn't necessarily right.
2: Yeah, so. it is. Um, we have to be very careful. I don't say that all local people solve these problems. Right. I have studied right. failures as well as successes. Mm-hmm. But the theory said never. Mm-hmm. We right. now say can do right. but not always mm-hmm. there 's a big difference between can do and always mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i I was interested when I saw you speak at the Bloomington Rotary Club. I was very interested about a lot of things that you said, but the one thing that you know there are a lot of people that will point to your research and then go go to some conclusion that, that would be like an always or – and you were very careful in that conversation to talk about how you know it can work in these circumstances and there have to be certain conditions and in other circumstances, something else might work. So yeah.
2: Yeah. It's tough. So collective action, which is the more general concept uh, for local public goods or national or international or commons uh, – it, it It the theorists who raised these questions, uh, Mansur Olson being another one, uh, were correct for raising it. Mm-hmm. And there was in political science in the 20s to 40s a kind of naive presumption that, oh, well, everybody's nice and they'll get together and solve it. Well, unfortunately, not everyone is nice. But On the other hand, not everyone is immediately self seeking and doesn't care for anybody else at all. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we have these two extremes everyone nice, everybody self seeking. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to be thinking of what we call a behavioral approach to this, where uh, people may uh, be very interested in achieving uh, collective action together. And follow norms and involve reciprocity, uh, but sometimes when they get together and work together, they're a gang. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. urban gangs have yeah. solved collective action problems, mm-hmm. and uh, they harm us. But they've got to figure out how to work together, and they do all the time. And <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's right. are, Well, are there are there certain conditions that would exist that would make it more likely that that these common problems can be solved by an individual or by a group of individuals working together?
2: Well, if if we're talking about a local problem, yes, that there's a history that people think this is important, uh, that the size of the group is um, about the right size to manage the size of the resource. So Mm -hmm. if the resource is giant and it's a small group, they can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Similarly— a little tiny resource in a huge group—they're uh, just going to fight like mad over it. Mm-hmm. So it's that leadership, common knowledge, uh, a history, a trust. Uh, let me say there's a five-word-letter word that is really, really important: T R U S T. And it, building that is just essential.
1: Mm-hmm. Well I think you know I I think about what's going on in in the world today and you know one of the the big stories happening now is the the oil spill in the the gulf and you know I guess I having you here as a captive audience I I'd, I'd like to know about you know managing a resource like the Gulf of Mexico and particularly now when it needs to be there needs to be some sort of action to get it cleaned up Well,
0: very little T-R-U-S-T. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, um,
2: Canada and the U.S. have had similar problems in the past. And now for the Great Lakes, there is an international joint commission for the Great Lakes. And it involves all of the states and all of the provinces because it's not just nation to nation. And that's, again, not perfect, but uh, it has been an arena. In which uh, people could engage in discussion, uh, et cetera. We have a summer home in Canada, so we see some of the fishing problems Mm -hmm. that are pretty substantial uh, in the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. So, not perfect, but if you don't have some kind of joint commission of the countries surrounding uh, and uh, a commitment that you're really going to worry about these problems, Mm -hmm. then indeed it's it's an open access commons Mm -hmm. and there will be tragic problems, which we're seeing.
1: Right. Okay, I want to uh, remind our listeners, we're talking, it's our our first time with a a Nobel Prize winner on the the show. Lynn (laughs) Oates is here, the winner of the 2009 Nobel Prize for Economic Sciences. If you want to ask her a question or join the conversation, please phone us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition.
0: What do you see locally that, directly relates to the kind of research that you do. Can you give us a good example?
2: Well, um, there are a number of – I'm very excited about uh, some of the developments locally. And uh, uh, the mayor has just appointed a new sustainability um, um, head of their office, which means that he's making a commitment. I think he's really sincere and he's chosen – a simply outstanding person. She was assistant director of our research center. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and uh, Jackie Bauer uh-huh. is uh, first rate and will do a super job. The, um, uh, and the sustainability um, uh, program on the IU campus is very exciting uh, in terms of looking at various ways of reducing water use, reducing energy use, et cetera. Uh, that it's not, you know, we 're not down to zero, but mm-hmm. we never can but it 's sincere and i I am very encouraged about getting the dorms to compete with one another. Uh, one of the ways of um, uh, significantly reducing is if you get good meters in the dorms and now the new dorms will have excellent ones, and they 're retrofitting in a number of others you've got to have information to keep compete mm-hmm. right so if you have no information, people have set their um, Meters very high and they don't even recognize it. So you've got to get the kind of meters that will turn off during part of the night. Uh, uh, for a home to work, you've got to have uh, the capability of if you're away for a part of the day, you can turn uh, heat down mm-hmm. uh, or air conditioning up. Um, there are many things. There are some, uh, There's a recent um, article in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences by uh, Paul Stern and Tom Dietz and others. And they had list 17 things that we can do in a home wow. to reduce. Well, as we are working with local communities in this area, more and more people are doing it. And that's very exciting. So we can be an example for other communities about how to proceed to reduce uh, the threat of climate change, at least from our emissions.
0: Mm-hmm. So – on the bigger topic of sustainability, you just said we never will get to the point of, of zero. But how practical is pursuing sustainability within a community this size? Very.
2: And the, um, uh, some people say, oh, well, that's just useless because it's global. Well, uh, there are benefits to the community of doing this that, um, besides the benefits to the globe. So if we can get costs down, and we can Mm-hmm. So part of the sustainability is not only reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions but reducing the cost mm-hmm. of uh, energy and water. And so poor neighborhoods can really get a benefit out of uh, these kinds of programs and various ways of helping families uh, invest uh, make eminent good sense, and uh, uh, they add up. So now there are over 1,000 little communities in the state of uh, – in, in uh, pardon me, in the U.S. that are beginning these programs.
0: That, that was my next question. Is this something that you see spreading as yes. you study it?
2: Yes, and 1,000 uh, now, some of them are just signing petitions and not doing much yet.
0: Mm-hmm. But we're
2: now working with Lafayette College in Pennsylvania Uh, and um, Philadelphia College in Pennsylvania to do a collaboration where they're working with local communities and they want us to work with them and we're delighted to do that Um, and uh, trying to learn better how Mm -hmm. to uh, go back and forth between uh, knowledge and new innovations and all of that and uh, committees getting organized and and doing it.
0: Are you hoping to position – Uh, Indiana University and and Bloomington as as a whole, as kind of the leader in this? It can't be the leader because there are others who have started, but a leader, certainly. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think this is a good example of, uh, you know, sometimes people think about academic research and how it's just, it's somewhere, yeah, right, it's somewhere. Doesn't
0: apply to our lives.
1: But your work, I mean, you think about environmental issues of today and what you've worked on, this uh, idea of, you know, management of the commons or taking care of, of the commons is about as relevant to today as anything could be when you mm-hmm. think, about, uh, yeah. think about the environment.
2: Just getting more trees. Uh, now, Bloomington is a lovely place, but we can do quite a bit more. And I'm working with Bernie Fisher in the School of Public Environmental Affairs on uh, various ways of enhancing urban trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, that,
0: what are your thoughts on the orchard project that's going on right now? Uh, I don't know enough about it.
2: Um, the, um, uh, anything that Community gets, orchard, yeah. Yeah, anything. Um, the, there is a very exciting thing going on on campus of developing an arboretum, which will be a very major accomplishment. And now we're starting to plant trees in the area between 10th and 17th, and that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. That is very well, exciting.
1: Well, a couple things that I know uh, – you were you talked when you talked to the Rotary Club. You mentioned the uh, a city in California that's become starting to share information with um, its utilities, sharing information with the the bill payers, yeah, so that they know how much uh, their how much electricity they're using compared to the neighbors, the people in their neighborhood. Why why would that be a good thing to
2: do? Well, it turns out it's like a nudge. Uh, You read your electricity bill and you find out that you're using a lot more electricity than everybody else in uh, your neighborhood. Well, then you think, gee, uh, uh, I could save some money Uh and help the environment. And feedback is very important and utilities had not understood that. Now more and more utilities are doing this around the country. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming uh, – it was started out in west but now more and more have heard about it. And the utility company benefits because um, if they don't have to expand their plant and they can serve ever more people with the same plant size, that solves a lot of problems facing utilities mm-hmm. today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can get the ma- maximum benefit out of there. Yeah. Uh, existing infrastructure. Yes, yes. And
2: then uh, uh, the other thing that we can be doing more of is helping people put solar on their own roofs mm-hmm. and then um, be able to network into the local so that uh, if you have excess electricity, uh, you contribute to the, um, uh, the general neighborhood's source of electricity mm-hmm. uh, and again – um, while you have the expense of putting in solar in the beginning, you receive income for that uh, that goes into the net mm-hmm. and everybody, again, benefits.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's so important and, and you uh, talk about that quite a bit. It's, it's not just doing it out of the goodness of your heart to tell, help the planet – There needs to be some sort of personal benefit to you. and You have to recognize that, right?
2: And there are. Uh And we've been ignoring it. Uh, Everything was, oh, it's just global. Well, yes, it is global. But uh, we need to be thinking about And now more research. I've been publishing on this quite a bit and I'm seeing more researchers now indicate uh, that multilevel or polycentric approaches are very appropriate.
0: So, you say we've been ignoring it. So, it sounds like you're not much of a conspiracy theorist. You don't believe that this is, uh, you know, something, uh, for example, that we don't have electric cars. It's been um, suggested that perhaps Detroit didn't want us to have electric cars. You don't go along with that thought? Well, it's the difference between
2: conspiracy and recognition that if you don't think there's a big market, why should you put a huge investment in a new plant? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that Detroit always was making all decisions with the benefit of the globe in mind. No. They're a private corporation. They've got to survive. Mm -hmm. They can't pay the payroll if they aren't making money. On the other hand, we now have new innovations that make some of these things worthwhile. Mm
1: (laughs) <laughs> All right. Again, our, our guest today is Lynn Ostrom, the winner of the 2009 Nobel Prize for Economic Sciences. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811. From outside of Bloomington, you can call us at eight one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, 285 9348 or you can go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm referring to some of what you said at, at the last time I heard you speak, but you talked about – this was right after the, uh, the great climate summit and you talked mm-hmm. about how you think that global climate change needs to be radically rethought. That was a term that you used. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Well, more? I rethought from the sense that it's not just global. Mm-hmm. I am uh, an advocate for global um, treaties. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it's foolish just to think that we, we don't need that. Uh, but the rethinking is that's all we need. And so I was critical of the presumption that, you know, these guys have got to make a solution and then we'll start using energy better. Mm. No, let's go ahead and get started now, but let's push our officials. Uh, so there are things that uh, some of the northeastern states have gotten together and are beginning to experiment with a carbon market, and it looks like they're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, EU has been experimenting with a carbon market. Uh, why don't we do something like that in the Midwest? Uh, Chicago's got a lot of industry, and mm-hmm. northern Indiana does too. And um, carbon markets make particular sense for uh, industrial areas because um, then uh, some people use an immense amount of carbon, And uh, if you give them a cap and it goes down, they can slowly adjust. But some have a hard time adjusting. And so if they can buy a little extra from someone else, there's a market that is born like that. Mm -hmm. And um, so cap and trade is something that I think is a very serious uh, option that we should be thinking about globally. But if we experiment locally and regionally Mm – We can learn, uh, ah, if you do it this way, it works better than if you do it that way. So one of the advantages of uh, EU and the eastern U.S. and some of the others is learning and adapting and we can then do it better. Mm -hmm. All right.
0: Fascinating. Here's an email that just came in. Um, Pardon me. It says, in a casual conversation recently, I said I favored doing away with the trustee system of handling the needs of the poor in Indiana as I think it is efficient – Wait a minute. Let's start this again. Uh, I said, I favored doing away with the trustee system of handling the needs of the poor in Indiana, as I think it is efficient and administered unequally. I think they mean inefficient. Inefficient. To my surprise, he replied, but our Nobel Prize winner supports the trustee system rather than a larger municipal governing body. Is that true? Uh, Yes, in some settings and not universally.
2: And again, it goes back to having sweeping universal um, policies Mm -hmm. are sometimes not the best. So like with policing, we earlier found that it made eminent good sense to have a single crime lab in a metropolitan area. But you don't have to consolidate the police to to do that. Um, um, In in, in our study of 80 metropolitan areas, we found most of them had worked out with the local hospital or with the state department department uh having one. they'd already worked it out, mm-hmm. but they didn't need to consolidate to do that similarly with dispatching you're finding many interjurisdictional agreements that as dispatched for a large area, so uh our thinking again has been if it's large scale, we have to consolidate and consolidate everything now with uh dealing with uh, the problems of poor if we have a uh, organization in a local city that is able to handle this these kinds of problems well then sometimes the uh, township system doesn't make sense but there are er, there are rural counties in indiana That are outside the scope of anything other than a county-wide office. Mm -hmm. And some county-wide offices are located quite a bit of distance away. And the township system then makes eminent good sense and there are townships that work very well. So what we need to do is learn where are they working very well. How do we enhance that instead of just a sweeping elimination? So I'm not for a sweeping keeping
0: I'm interested in how comfortable you are with the uh, kind of a patchwork approach to things. Why not?
2: Um, you know, I happen to have patchwork on my bed at home. Uh, <laughs> so aesthetically, I think patchwork is beautiful. Uh-huh. Okay. And um, what we find with modern industry today, modern industry frequently does not produce everything to do with, uh, say, an automobile. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they buy the tires from one place uh, they buy the brakes from someplace else. uh they bring together so really efficient, big, powerful private industry uses patchwork yeah mm-hmm. uh and why should urban governance be consolidated in those areas where it doesn't make sense See. further, why should we eliminate smaller to medium skies? Uh, units of governance where citizens can learn uh, some of the problems of governing as they used to do in smaller uh, school districts and smaller districts. We've just eliminated these like mad and then they, we are mad because people don't vote and they don't get interested, etc. Well— um, if all, all democracy is going to the polls. That's not a very meaningful kind of democracy.
1: Mm-hmm. It is kind of interesting that we, you know, Indiana years ago, and not just Indiana, but a lot of places said, "Let's consolidate the schools, and we can just put every, you know, we can have a lot more resources put together in one place. will be much more efficient." And now we're paying the price. It seems. to
2: Yeah, there, uh, ev- there was no empirical evidence for that movement. None. Mm-hmm. It was just a belief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now there's been empirical studies conducted and none of them show that the large-scale consolidation led to a more efficiency. And we've seen the tragedy for <clears throat> many, many students of being in a school – of high school with 2,000 students. How do you learn how to organize and how to do things in 2,000? Yeah. My high school was big at 400. <laughs> uh, and um, there's uh, – but again – If we're worried about getting a chemistry lab for 8th to 10th grade, there are ways of doing that in an area where you build one that is really good – into the four or five schools use that. And, you know, we know how to get kids back and forth to schools. We do it for sports all the time. Why not mm-hmm. for chemistry?
1: Oh,
0: what a concept.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to take a break. We're, we're uh, talking with Lynn Ostrom, the winner of the 2009 Nobel Prize for Economic Sciences. Uh, you can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or one 285 9348 And our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. We'll be right back.
3: are listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone, information at smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia— If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 745.
1: All right, welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from The Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're talking with Lynn Ostrom, the winner of the 2009 Nobel Prize for Economic Sciences. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition if you want to contact us with an email. Um, I, before we go into some more heavy, real heavy topics, well, I don't know how heavy they'll be, but I did, <laughs> did want to ask you about – I mean your your life has obviously changed since – <laughs> last, since last October, last October you were – I don't know when you were actually notified. but last, 6.30 in the morning. 6.30 in the morning. Last last October 12th I think, 13, 11th maybe, somewhere, somewhere around there. there. You were notified that you were the winner of the Nobel Prize and since then
0: – got to ask you a question okay. going into that. Now, were you aware that you had been nominated and were being considered?
2: No um, – I had four or five years ago been told that someone had put my name oh. in. But um, you know that there are there are lots of lots mm-hmm. of people. At the time, my reaction was, oh, this is a great honor. Mm-hmm. And I then took it as an honor. It was nice to know that sure. somebody had thought that nicely of me. And then I forgot about it because uh, <clears throat> if you uh, – uh, concentrate on something like that, it can be very destructive. Mm-hmm. And I, I I just took it as an honor and forgot it.
0: So at 6 a.m., <clears throat> you receive a phone call that is an absolute bolt out of the blue. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to receive this amazing yep. honor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yep. good
2: morning. It was, it, it was uh, pretty much. And then they told me to um, hang up and go make myself a cup of coffee <clears throat> because they had a press conference coming up. And um, oh I was on a press conference with Ollie Williams who – see, he was waking at three wasn't mm-hmm. that bad. Oh, my goodness. Um,
1: but yes, he was the, the co-winner. West, yeah, right, in California. In California,
2: right. West Coast, yeah.
0: Well.
1: So um, I know there's been a lot of things that have happened. But just hit some highlights about how that, this has really changed your day-to-day life and, and –
2: Well, it is um, – uh, for my staff, uh, I, I have been very, very concerned because the number of invitations that we've been receiving and trying to handle that responsibly um, is very, very tough. Uh, so we're getting emails from all over the world and can I do this, can I do that, Etc. I'm trying to say yes to as many as I can responsibly, but I am still teaching. And so if I don't – um I'm never on campus, that's not fair to my students or my colleagues. We've got various projects we're working on and um, that's part of the future.
0: Even the Nobel Prize winner has to keep your day job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then my sweetheart
2: uh, and husband of 46 years uh, is uh, 90. And if I'm away too much, uh, then I'm not able to see – my sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so that's a cost. And trying to balance mm-hmm. everything has been a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. I've never had, I, I've always had a busy travel schedule just because I was doing research around the world. But now it's just become frantic and trying to cope. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. And travel is not easy. Uh, no. Um,
2: at least fortunately, because of having done research, I am somewhat used to uh, working on a plane so mm-hmm. I can take plane time and make it useful. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still the transaction costs of going through um, security and all the rest are not fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when I walked in here today, she was working on her schedule, you know, trying to figure out which things she could go to in, in
2: 2011. 2011. 2011.
0: 2010 is fully booked out. Uh, it's been booked since January. Oh, my gosh.
1: Well, so how how has this do you think how, how has this changed or affected your teaching and your interaction with your students? Do you think there's been any any difference?
2: Well, I'm not approaching it any different. Um, I have wonderful students, and I still enjoy working with them. I don't graduates? accept a I don't accept being a mentor uh, as for the last two or three years. Unless someone wants, to, you know, they write me and I want to come to IU and do my PhD, and that's not my decision. They have to go through a committee. But then they ask if they were admitted, would I accept them as uh, a mentor? And I indicate not unless there are other faculty doing related work, because I'm 76, I'll be 77 in August. You don't accept people if the only person they could work with are you. Mm-hmm. But I have a number of colleagues uh, doing work that uh, is quite related and I just make sure that the students understand that while well, my health is good, mm-hmm. um, uh, but you, you have to make your decisions a little differently about somebody at my age. Mm-hmm.
1: Have, have you seen an, an increase in the number of students who are clamoring to work with you?
2: Well, some, yes. Um and we do uh, the both Spia and Political Science have excellent students and uh, it's wor- it's great fun working with them.
0: Mm-hmm. I would I, that's an interesting. You would take that approach. My thought was is anybody afraid to talk to you now because you're you're so famous? Well, some people, yes.
2: But I tried to, um, you know, get rid of that
0: idea fast. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> I'm sure you did a good job of that, too. All
1: right. Our, our phone number is, again, eight five five zero eight one one eight one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. 811 285-9348. From outside of the Bloomington calling area, our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Lynn Ostrom is here. You don't have to be afraid to talk to her. You can just <laughs> give us a call, ask her a question. Very approachable. <laughs> yeah, that would be fine. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit about the school consolidations, before and how that was probably not a good uh, decision of government. And I wanted to know, again, from your your experience and from your research, if you've seen other decisions of government that you would either say, you know, when you saw them, wow, that looks like a really bad idea, or I think they get it. I think that's a good a good direction to go. Is there anything you could point to for us? Well, I
2: think um, one of the kind of theoretical ideas we've been working on at the workshop since the... Well, actually before coming to IU is the notion of polycentricity mm-hmm. and this is that for many, many problems, you, there isn't an optimal scale that you need to have parts of it done by very small, medium, large, ever larger and we should not confuse um, multiplicity or polycentricity with chaos. So as soon as people see a large number of governments, they say, ah, chaotic. But in the market, if you don't have a large number and you have a little small number, it's an oligopoly or a monopoly and that's bad. (laughs) And uh, So we should learn from market theory that there are ways of coordinating multiple units and sometimes having multiple units is a lot better than a big hierarchy. So um, big, big hierarchies that are eight or nine layers uh, from the boss to the uh, person down below uh, are not very efficient.
1: Mm-hmm. So you, you—it sounds like when if there are maybe task forces or groups that are studying a particular. Part of the problem that you're trying to get solved, and then they can all come together. Yeah, and-
2: what will work in say one neighborhood might not work in another, uh-huh. and so get the neighborhood to organize and try to think through uh, if they. Uh, it, well, I think we need more uh, community kitchens, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, uh, there's lots of land that could be made into a gardens. Uh, And, of course, I was born and raised in the Depression. So um, I learned how to garden because I wouldn't have eaten uh, vegetables if we'd not had a a vegetable garden in our backyard. And um, uh, there are lots of kids who don't understand the relationship of seeds to products to final uh, what's on the table to canned goods. That's not a healthy thing for uh, a society that there are lots and lots of people who don't understand how the food gets uh, ready to go on the table. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So have you you had the opportunity to speak with, uh, say, our city leaders, our county leaders about – uh, you know, since you got the prize? And I know, actually, I should say this too. I, I went back and did a, a search of our archives. I mean, we wrote a little bit about you before you <laughs> won the, the Nobel Prize. I mean, I, there was, we had a story that Mike Leonard had done back in 2003 about your theories and about some of the, the work that you had done. So it's not like you're brand new to, you know, community activity here in Bloomington. But have you had more opportunities to talk about Some of these theories and how Bloomington might be able to capitalize – now that it's now that you know, even you know the Nobel Committee has recognized that the, yeah. hey these are really good ideas.
2: Uh, uh, people in local government are themselves very busy, but I've had several emails back and forth with Mayor and with uh, Iris Kiesling from the county, and now uh, of course with Jackie Bauer, mm-hmm. and uh, we have some plans for the fall, and there will be a program in December on campus that is uh, on December second. Uh, that will be focused on what all can we be doing on campus and in the community um, to um, make a difference.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean your idea about community gardens is, uh, does seem and, – and it's a – I mean that's a Mother Hubbard's Cupboard kind of idea too. You know There are a lot of organizations in town that are, have taken mm-hmm. p- bits and pieces of that mm-hmm. but maybe a unified community effort might –
2: well, and again, it may not need to be unified, but uh, it may sure. be that a, a, that there's a uh, authorization for a local neighborhood to be able to do that in a way that <clears> – <throat> see, part of the problem is a vacant lot may be owned by somebody and nobody knows for sure if they would agree. So you can't just go in and put a community garden on it. Mm-hmm. But if you can find out ways that make it easier – Uh, then you're reducing the transaction costs and you facilitate uh, people doing that. Um, I think one of the most innovative things that we've done uh, in Bloomington is our farmer's market. Uh, I tell people uh, around the whole world about how that was done and the uh, remodeling of the showers factory and all the rest. Now I have a new point. I'd like to see solar panels go on top of the – um, the over the automobiles in yeah. that uh-huh. there are little uh, the awnings. awnings.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you can put solar panels on awnings and then get some electricity out of it and the awnings are already there. So
1: that's my, there one you of my new... That's
0: a great idea.
2: That's a good,
1: that's a good theory. Okay. Um,
0: She's always thinking. That's right. <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> that's great. It makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. Um, so, a couple of questions that were asked uh, of you when you did an online chat. one was uh, my friend Holly stocking talked about the school issues that we 're facing now and said that a group of uh, a group that she had was concerned about at risk kids in the community based on some of the decisions that the school board had made, and they were thinking about maybe you know getting together a Uh, a cooperative education that would have volunteers from around the community and they ask for your opinion on that. Is is that – again, does that –
2: That's another kind of strategy that can be adopted Mm -hmm. and trying to find ways that enable parents to do that and get some recognition from the community for their role, Uh, one – that gets parents sometimes to meeting one another and um, in a very large PTA, uh, you don't have parents meeting and discussing things as much as if you get groups of three to seven to ten together and they begin to think about, uh, well, how could we enhance this or enhance that? Mm-hmm. Music. A lot of places, we just don't have as much music in available to art. I mean art is so important because kids can begin to really express themselves. So uh, various kinds of sports that are small, um, debate, uh, I'm I just – if I had not done debate in high school, I would not have the career I currently have. I just – was absolutely – I stuttered and they uh, put me in the speech class and I ended up doing debate in my junior and senior year of high school. That made a – giant difference in my life. And the other day I was talking with someone on, I was on the um, um, limo up to uh, Indianapolis and asked, uh, they were uh, in one of the school boards, and asked, were they teaching debate in high school? and Hardly at all. Well, that just breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Because that is one way that kids learn. You have to have two sides of every problem. You have to learn how to argue both sides Mm -hmm. and be effective. And then you learn how you have to travel around and compete with other local high schools, well, if we're not teaching debate anymore, it really upsets me
1: well you know I don't know you well at all, but i but I've been really impressed with you know the conversations that i heard what I heard from you the other day, the answers that i've heard you give obviously i've been impressed but what what I guess I want to say, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you seem like uh, your debate, um, your debate background has served you very, very well <laughs> in that, in that you don't see things in black and white. You see mm-hmm. opportunities on both sides of the fence. One of the things that you, I <clears throat> somebody asked you a question at that Rotary Club meeting about big box stores and local shopping, and I remember your answer. I'm going to let you give it here, but, but it wasn't what one might expect uh, from. You know a bloomington person that's really supports the downtown and wants everything to you know to be to to be as strongly local as we can be uh, you know you said well big box stores have their place, yeah. and so yeah if you I buy my ex- shoes expand on it <clears throat>
2: and i i would i was yeah the shoes I have on <laughs> <laughs> Our target, and um, uh, the um, I can get them for twenty twenty five dollars. And I'm afraid that, given I, my being raised as a poor kid, mm-hmm. um, I do look for things that uh, are um, uh, less expensive. On the other hand, art and pottery and a variety of things. Uh, there are some of the pottery sh- uh, shops in Bloomington that are just fantastic, and um,
0: I think you might have a. Pottery weakness based on the face you're making right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I do. I,
2: I thought so. Mm-hmm. And we've collected indigenous art through the years, and I used to. Um, I used to make pots, mm-hmm. and um, I used to uh, collect uh, stones and polish them and make jewelry and. Mm-hmm. All sorts of things like that, which I unfortunately don't have the time to do right now. But at least someday I'll retire and I can do that again and knit and crochet and all of that.
1: <laughs> but it's, but again, it sounds as if you're, you're sort of seeing a market solution rather than you know, government saying we should have these kind of stores and we shouldn't have these kind of stores.
2: Well, I think we should do both. Uh-huh. So there may be – for example, a new path that people have – that's a government.
1: Investment. Uh, the B line. Uh-huh. The B
2: line. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Absolutely. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, so a B line like that uh, is a way that a community and and its government can enhance the experience and, and open up opportunities for local stores.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: So it's, again, a not just market and not just um, government, but both. Right.
0: You know, you deal with some very um, difficult problems in your studies, and yet uh, you strike me as a joyful person. What do you attribute that to? Well, um,
2: one, I have a happy marriage, 46 years, uh, and uh, it, it brings great joy. We've worked together for uh, most of that time. My husband had to retire at 70 um, back in those days, mm-hmm. uh, but he taught to Lady Pro Bono. He was that devoted to what he was doing. So I've had uh, a household where we, you know, sometimes we, in earlier years, we got up at 4 o'clock and we were working and sometimes debating over breakfast. <laughs> 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 and then fortunately, by creating a, a research center that had a lot of vitality to it. Um life is very meaningful to me
1: your work center is uh, the the center is called a workshop yes can you can you just explain why you want to call it a workshop? there's
2: a bloomington origin to that okay. and it's oh, uh, paul goodman's um uh, fantastic uh paul uh is a cabinet maker par excellence and fortunately. Uh, uh we wanted to get some furniture f- for our house and somebody sent us to him and we began to work with him every Thursday night and all day Saturday. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I've got sawdust all over. <laughs> <laughs> and l- working with a real craftsman in their workshop, you learn about the skills. This is not a routine. There's all sorts of discretion and uh, should we go this way or that way and working side by side? Vincent wrote a very key article on artisanship and artifacts.
1: That's your husband, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And so about – the calling it workshop was overt as a way of thinking about people working together who brought different skills, could then combine their efforts, could debate with one another, could challenge. Uh, rather than the idea of a center and their executive directors who tell everybody what to do. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's called the workshop in political theory and Pol- policy analysis. Yes. Trevor right. Okay. All right. So well, at the workshop um, – how many students, how many people go through the workshop in a typical year?
2: Well, they go through either the Department of Political Science or SPIA. Mm-hmm. So we are not in a we do not give degrees. I see. Mm-hmm. So, but we do have uh, some funding for fellowships, thank goodness. And so we're able, uh, admission has to be by an official unit, but we're able to support uh, research assistance and fellowship. Uh, And with external grants, then we try to get as much money for our graduate students as we possibly can because they're key to conducting the research. So at any one time, we'll have two to five Ph.D. students supported, sometimes more, but that would be about average. We now have... Visiting scholars coming from all over the world, and most of them have their own funding. They have uh, they apply to us for space and um, opportunity to work with us, but they find their own funding, which is very very. So we have people at every age and across most departments in the college. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. We're running out of time. We only have about five minutes to go, but you could still slide in a call if you want, eight five five zero eight one one or eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. 285 9348 the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition.
0: All right. I got a real People Magazine kind of question I got to ask. <laughs> Tell us some of the folks that, that you had an opportunity to interact with during the whole uh, – uh, Nobel Prize presentation process. I'm sure it must have been amazing.
2: Well, it is. Uh, Go ahead and it, drop
0: some names. Uh,
2: well, the um, Oliver Williamson, who was the uh, co-recipient, and his wife were there. And then uh, we were able to have a IU team that went. And so that was great to share with uh, colleagues like Roger Parks and uh, Jimmy Walker and Mike McGuinness and all sorts of other colleagues um, in terms of sharing the experience. But it was intense. And watching a monarchy isn't necessarily one of my pet things in the world. I'm very much a, a Democrat and a Federalist. But watching the respect with which people in Sweden do pay to their monarchy and vice versa. Hmm. The monarchy are uh, – the uh, king is very open and uh, listens to comments and he has a, um, a young daughter who is likely to become queen. It appears to be very, very open, etc. So I could observe a monarchy at
1: work that seemed to actually work.
0: <laughs> that was nice. New, there's a new paradigm for you. Yeah. yeah. I,
1: I think there are a lot of people in our country that will say our government isn't working all that well these days. So I, I want to give you the opportunity. Let's say Mary Catherine and I were like uh, the Speaker of the House and the, and the President. I mean, what, what words would you have? I mean, if you, had, if you had the leaders of our government together now, are there some, I, some thoughts that you would give them about how our government seems to be working at the federal level?
2: Uh, we 're trying to do too much at the federal level, and um, so I would urge that uh, we try to find wherever we can uh, that uh, we uh, let states and localities act, but uh, there are international things that we have to do, and so it would be inappropriate that the uh, washington didn 't take on international. I would have a lot of advice for um, uh, aid on the way it is uh, operating. We have been uh, spending a lot of money and not getting much results and uh, so is Germany and so has Sweden. We've looked at some of the other countries and the whole idea is get money out there. Mm -hmm. And To some extent, that is also a problem domestically. We think – Send money is going to solve all problems rather than providing opportunities for people to learn, to struggle, to gain information, to self-govern. And we need – instead of sending money, we need to find facilities that enable people to tackle these problems on their own. Um, And in terms of healthcare, there are many things that can be done to enhance healthcare in a community. So, that the total costs are less, but the health is better. Mm-hmm. So, what we've equated is that productivity uh, and results is equivalent to how much we're spending. Mm-hmm. That is an error. That can be how inefficient we are as it contrasted to what a good job we're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. In the last minute, I want to break that down much, you know, down back to where your research is, to to people like like Mary Catherine and I. And anybody out there in our listening audience might say, you know what? These global problems are so big, I can't do anything about them. I mean, what would you say to people who... Nonsense. Think, oh, okay. All right.
2: <laughs> There's lots we can do. And when we do... I'll organize it so that many people do it it makes a difference so um uh, find uh, get better bike paths in this community do more biking do more hiking uh find ways of getting solar find ways of uh we need to be using wind power wherever we possibly can there are all sorts of things that we can be doing and let's do it
1: okay I want to thank you very much for being here with us today. Eleanor Ostrom, Lynn Ostrom has been here with us, the winner of the 2009 Nobel Prize for Economics. Um, for Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ariana Prothero, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening.
2: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.